Welcome to the other party, I divide. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, I divide. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the after party. Uh, let me just say, sorry for missing last week. It's been really crazy around here. Uh, so actually, last week, I was giving a virtual talk at the Mobile Creator Summit, which is put on by uh, the company that makes LumaFusion and also Filmic Pro, and they kind of made this really great event that was like, if you're stuck here in this pandemic and you need to reinvent yourself, then we're going to gather all these people over like four weeks and have them dole out advice on how to be a mobile content creator. And so it was a really great thing. And it was sort of a last minute invitation for me at least. And I was happy to jump on it, but it did actually end up eating up more of my week than I thought it would. And it came to Friday, the the day of the presentation. I was like, I just can't do the podcast today. And so that's where I was last week. Um, but that talk is online. Uh, if you want to go check it out, uh, I'll try to link that up in the show notes, but it's the mobile creator summit. You can just check it out on filmic pros website or, or a YouTube channel, sorry, or Luma fusions, YouTube channel. Um, they streamed it uh, on both. It was really, really, really professionally done. Uh, the host was amazing. The people behind the scenes were amazing and it was, it was humbling to be a part of it. And I'm just, I'm glad that I could. I, what I ended up talking about was, um, how I use my iPhones and my iPad just professionally to capture and upload and create this content. And so it was fun. I feel like it's worth going to check out, even if you don't go for me. I mean, there was a ton of other great people that were presenting from, uh, I Justine and Jenna, to uh, Henny the Business was there, uh, Ryan Connolly, um, you know, just a ton of people. So so go check it out. But, you know, that was going on last week. And then also, you guys know, if you listened to the episode before that, I'm like knee deep in the middle of packing right now, getting ready for this move. And that's kind of crazy. That's been a little bit stressful. Like, how am I going to continue to create some content, but also get all my ducks in a row and move? And um, so that is nuts it has been crazy and so i know that you guys know moving is just not fun and trying to run the business at the same time is tricky so that's where i was but i had people who were commenting when i uploaded the ipad pro accessories video this week they're like oh good i'm glad you're okay i'm glad that we thought you had disappeared or i think people thought something was wrong because the podcast didn't come out and then i hadn't uploaded very much content for like a, a couple weeks or something and i didn't realize that i hadn't uploaded that you know, it'd been that long since the last upload. And the other thing was too throw this into the mix. I was working on a sponsored uh, video as well, which isn't even released yet because it's been back and forth with the sponsor company. Um, I don't usually do videos that we call dedicated videos where it's just dedicated to a sponsored product. I don't do those very often anymore. And uh, every now and then the stars align to where it makes sense to do that. And so this is kind of one of those videos, you'll probably know it when you see it, but that took up a lot of time also last week. And so that and the podcast, yeah, I guess I didn't get much normal content out. And so just so you guys know, I am okay. Obviously I'm here and um, it's just gonna be a little weird for the next several weeks um, as I do the move. I got one more video I think to make here uh, at in this setup, in this space before uh, I move on and then we're going to be in moving mode 
and that's gonna be interesting. But so right now, actually, I have the 13-inch MacBook Pro. My review unit arrived um, just the other day. It's still sitting in its brown box. I haven't even unboxed it yet to check it out. Um, but that review is coming up. That's gonna be out next week. So yeah, I think that's probably gonna be the final video from this space. And uh, it's a little bit sad, but I'm kind of at the point where like I'm ready to move on, like get it over with, because there's nothing but but bright, you know, hopeful, gleaming, amazing stuff to come in the future. And so I'm not going to be too sentimental about this because you know this is this space it served its purpose, served its function. The the first studio that I ever had, you know, you guys probably know because I've talked about it a lot. It was an eight by eight cube that I sort of built. Well, with my dad actually out in our garage, and uh, and it was no air conditioning. It was either really hot or cold, no heat, really echoey. And I, that was when I was starting the channel. I had no idea what I was doing, and you know, so that. And then I moved into the basement uh, for the next studio setup, and it had like a giant paper backdrop. That's kind of the backdrop that you see behind me. Oftentimes, that's lit up. Uh, and you know, I got a, the TV stand and some bookshelves and, you know, standing desk and, you know, but all this stuff fits into like a 12 by 12 space now instead of eight by eight. And, and for a lot of the videos over the last year, I've just been filming up in my office, you know, my home office at that desk setup there. And so, yeah, I'm ready for some, some extra space. The thing is you can, you can get started. You, you can do YouTube stuff and podcasting, obviously, you know, with the space that you have when you're getting started, but after a while, if you're trying to do it professionally, you start to outgrow it. And just, you know, just things like having enough space to get really nice bokeh, like blur out the background behind, like space uh, in a limited space, that kind of stuff's hard. And depending on the lens you're using, sometimes I'm like scrunched up against the wall, you know, trying to show something because I'm trying to get that more professional look. Um, instead of just like a, an ultra wide angle where everything's in focus, you know, like there's just constraints with, with the space that I've had. And so I'm very much looking forward to having some extra space. Absolutely. And I think you guys will see that. Um, you know, I talked about this a little bit, but I've got a camera order coming up soon here. That's going to be fun. Um, and the, the goal is to make more and better content in the next space. And by the way, I think that's going to include bringing back the video podcast, you know, the video side of this podcast. You know, as I've kind of rebranded from uh, just Chris, the daily tech guy, to Chris, the content creator, that's kind of how people have, you know, known me over the last year. And when I do give a speech or I'm quoted on a website or something, so it's Chris, the content creator. As I've been rebranding into that, I, I want to actually be the embodiment of that, meaning I just want to be a prolific content creator, whether it's audio, whether it's video. I would love to get back into written stuff. I don't know if that's ever going to happen because I just don't know if I have the time. But being able to have a space where there's three cameras pointed where I need them and just hit the on buttons and shoot a video um, and have that dedicated to that, not have to mess with the cameras and the placement every time, that's going to speed things up. That's going to be so good. Having a dedicated... A uh, different, you know, great space for recording the podcast with multiple angles. That's going to be awesome. And then to be able to recut up, you know, the sections of the big long podcast, you know, and put those out as clips and highlights. Um, really looking forward to that. And we sort of planted the seeds. The the clips and highlights channel, it's out there, and it's got a decent amount of subscribers. It's ready. It's already like approved for monetization. Just kind of waiting. Um, and so yeah, there's all these upgrades coming down the line. 
you know, I've just been spending a little bit of time too. I get a little sentimental when I think about, you know, YouTube. It, it's such a personal thing for me, the journey. It's really interesting to go back through and do some creeping, I guess, but look at like the Instagram and the early videos of people who came before me and turned their their passion uh, into a real viable, you know, expansive, cool business. So, you know, it's fun to go back and look at the early Unbox Therapy days and the early Austin Evans days and, you know, the early Marquez days. And I get a little sentimental even when I'm thinking about, you know, Marquez shooting in his, uh, I don't know if that was an apartment or what, uh, while he was in the college days and just where he was and when he hit a million, you know, people, subscribers, and then the first time he moved in a studio, now he's moving into the even bigger, and then Lou, uh, who was shooting at the house and in a closet at some point, you know, and uh, kind of developed his iconic look and style, and, and you see how people change the personality a little bit, how they kind of let go of uh, worrying about how they are on camera to just being who they are on camera and letting their personality just fully fly out there and it's interesting to see that and you can see that in my videos too I think for sure my old videos I'm just like I'm really kind of almost melancholy and you know it was was, I just didn't unleash you know it took it took a while to unleash a little bit and so as as things expand and progress I'm just kind of thinking like I can look at the other creators out there and be like well do I want to do something that's kind of more like what I Justine has done and kind of keep it in the house Um, it's really convenient and I know she has her sister there to help with the filming and and support and stuff or do I want to move beyond that and do something where you know they're we're hiring staff and and I was listening to Rhett and Link's podcast uh earlier today actually a little bit and a little bit yesterday where they're talking about the business side of their stuff and how they you know reached an inflection point when they hit 20 employees where they kind of had to hire a manager and it became less like a family of people working at more like a team. Um, and you know, I just don't know. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do with that, but I do know that I want to create more content, just be more prolific. And I think the first thing that I'm going to have to do once we get all settled, I've been holding off on doing any kind of thinking about hiring people. You know, I put out some feelers and I have like a list of people who, when the time comes, I'm able to like ping them be like, Hey, you know, this is what we're looking for. Are you interested? Um, but you know, the first thing I'm probably going to look at is maybe hiring an editor, I would guess. Uh, because the sh- the setup of the cameras and creating, you know, I can do that pretty easily. But it's when I run into a bottleneck, it's the actual editing. Think how much more content I could create. You know, if I shot right right now, I shoot in the mornings and then edit usually in the afternoon. Uh, if I'm trying to produce a video in one day, but I could literally double my output if I just hired an editor. And so that's the kind of thing as as the business expands um, that I just I'm thinking like what should I do and I'm I'll, I don't know it'll come together how it needs to when it needs to but I guess that's just a little behind the scenes the move provides a good opportunity to to let you guys in on like what's the thought process behind the business side of things and actually you know I understand like we have two hundred fifty thousand now subscribers we passed two hundred fifty thousand recently that's cool a quarter of a million. Uh, but it is astonishing to me that people were like paying that close attention. If I didn't upload a podcast and stuff like, where were you? Are you okay? I didn't realize that people were paying that close of attention. You know, it's weird. It's, it's sometimes you get disconnected and forget like every, every number, you know, that's a real person back there. Um, 
And it's just, I'm feeling, I'm feeling blessed. I'm feeling like it's a real privilege to be able to do what I do. And uh, so I do, I want to do it the best that I can. And so anyways, as we're talking about the move, I've been thinking like, what essentials do I need? What are the bare minimum things that I need to record while I'm kind of in limbo? We're going to be staying at uh, somebody's house, you know, for like a little bit while this new place closes and whatever. So there's going to be like a few weeks where I'm just going to need the bare essentials to film with, the bare essentials to edit with and run the business with. So I think what that is looking like is obviously you're going to have my MacBook Pro and the iPad Pro, use Sidecar, have them both there. Uh, and, and then, you know, I'm not going to just going to break it down and just go iPhone only. I'm not going to do that for the shooting side of things. I'm still going to bring, you know, the bigger camera setup, but you know, it's like, I don't know. Do I want to recreate like a set and bring the whole paper thing? When I got this paper delivered, that's the background here. That was like a freight delivery, a, a semi truck pulled up out front because it's just not the kind of thing that just fits in a UPS truck. <laughs> and so it's like, do I want to recreate that or do I just want to film like against some concrete wall in the basement? I don't know. I guess we'll see how it turns out. But the AirPods Pros, those are coming. I'm thinking I'm going to bring a desk and I'll, I'll have like a minimal functional studio workspace, but it's going to be weird. So before I take a giant step forward in usable studio space, I'm going to be taking kind of a step backward in terms of aesthetics and stuff a little bit for a few weeks during the move. But well, hopefully the content's not going to be bad. Like the information, you know, that'll still be there. The personality, me, I'll still be there. And so hopefully, uh, you know, like our views don't take a dive. I'm kind of worried. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for hanging in there with us during this time. Yeah, well, let's pop into the Apple news and let's talk a little bit about uh, these two new iPads, the new iPad, iPad, the entry level, and iPad mini that uh, is being predicted to be launched soon. I have some questions about that. So if you didn't read this, Apple is actually planning, it sounds like, to launch a new 10.8-inch iPad, entry level kind of iPad, and a new iPad mini with a screen that could be as large as 9 inches. Now, if you caught the video recently where I talked about kind of trying to turn a base level iPad into more of an iPad Pro, making it more Pro, as Pro as you can get with the Logitech Combo Touch keyboard, you'll know that the entry level iPad, it's you can do a lot of work there. And actually, the rumor mill has also said, I think, I think that they're looking at upgrading the chip there from like an A10 to an A12 or something. The, the base level, uh, iPad is with that chip, the new chip, whatever it ends up being. It's just, it's a very usable thing. If, if you're, you know, on a budget, if you're a student, if you're a small business owner, you can do a lot with that entry level iPad and you're going to be able to do more faster with this new chip. That doesn't really concern me. So that's just great. But I'm kind of curious about this new iPad mini size, like nine inches. It's not so mini. So right now, the iPad mini screen is like 7.9 inches. But if you bump that up, you know, another half an inch or a whole inch, basically, eight and a half to nine inches, then you're creeping up on that, you know, 10.8 inch screen size that you get with the base entry level iPad. This is not the direction that I necessarily would want Apple to go with, with the iPad mini. I've always been hoping for an iPad mini pro, to be honest. And I don't know if that's feasible or not. I just know I would love it if it had the design of the pros right now, uh, without the chin and the forehead and the, and the old button it had face ID, had a much 
faster processor, maybe better camera. I, that That's what I would really like to see Apple do with the iPad mini line. Because for me, how I use the mini is, it's really my entertainment thing. Man, I've been getting so many comments. <laughs> There's a whole group of people out there that saw my desk setup video where I was cleaning up the desk in the area, whatever, and, and kind of turned it into a cleanup desk video setup thing. And people are just like, I think these are new people, new subscribers to the channel. They're like, dude, this guy just uses the iPad mini as a clock. Wow. And, and there's so many comments on that. And uh, no, I don't just use it as a clock. I do run a Ficlo on it when it's charging at my desk, but it's just charging there on my desk. So it's like, as long as it's charging, I might as well turn it into a clock. But it's not, I don't own an iPad mini to use as a clock, just to clarify. So it charges there on my desk, but then it's like my entertainment device, kind of. Uh, so I've got a bunch of games on there, and it's what I like to, you know, use to read in bed or, you know, or to watch something, you know, like the new Star Wars, Clone Wars comes out. Yeah, I was watching that last season. Then, yeah, I would grab the iPad mini, grab the AirPods, and check it out. Just It's my lounge around entertainment iPad. And that's not weird. I think a lot of people do have some multiple iPads going on. Now, if you could turn that size into a Pro, um, it would be a lot more feasible for me to use that Pro camera at that size than it is on my 12.9 inch or even the 11 inch it would be much better for a creative person like me to be able to use that as a monitor for things or for Filmic Pro double take. It would be the perfect size for a Pro device, I think. Maybe not as your primary device, but but I want a Pro iPad at that size. I kind of wonder if Apple thinks that's too small for a Pro. Maybe, if, maybe, maybe we're converging in thought here. Maybe they will have a, a mini Pro. I don't know. And maybe that's why they're... Uh, making that screen size a little bigger. Could be, I doubt it though. Or on the other hand, maybe Apple says, you know, phones are getting so big that it's really pushing into that iPad mini space. And to differentiate the iPad mini, we have to make it a little bigger even because the phablets are just getting too tablety. I don't know, I kind of hope not because pretty soon, what are you gonna do? You're gonna have an iPad, <laughs> like 11 different iPads with just like a half inch or 0.3 inch incremental difference. You know, it's it's getting a little bit crazy. But I don't know if you guys remember, there was a video a while back where I also tried to turn the iPad mini into more of a pro. And uh, I added, uh, what keyboard was that? I think it was a Vimpoc keyboard at the time, which honestly I can't recommend over the Keychron mechanical keyboard. I like the Keychron much better. If you're looking for a, a, a mechanical keyboard that works for Macs, but yes, I want an iPad mini pro so bad. Now we'll keep it on the iPad uh, for a minute here, but we'll switch it over to the iPad pro, specifically the magic keyboard. Kind of want to focus on that because this week there was a lot of people who were having a cow kind of about the magic keyboard draining their iPads battery, the pro battery too fast. Now, isn't this funny? Every now and then you get this batch of complaints that kind of turns into, oh, some big gate. And sometimes things fly under the radar a little bit. Like I feel like the AirPods Pros with their crackling noises has been a bigger issue than people have kind of realized based on the feedback that I get and the comments that I get and all the articles I'm starting to see about it. But I made a video on that a long time ago before anybody else was talking about it. And I got those replaced and they work better now. And this is like the next thing. There's always something, you know. But even John Rettinger, he tweeted this out the other day. He said, I love my 12.9 inch iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard, which is, by the way, the same setup that I have right now. And wow, does it drain the battery like crazy. 
crazy in all caps. And so that actual tweet got a lot of replies and some people were saying, yeah, my iPad Pro with Magic Keyboard is draining way too fast too, the battery. And then other people were like, no, it doesn't seem to be affecting mine like that. So I wanna talk a little bit about this. You have to understand, the this keyboard is different than the Smart Folio, the, the iPad Pro keyboard previously. The Magic Keyboard, it does have features that that one doesn't. So you have to expect more battery drain just by default. So for instance, there's a backlit keyboard now. That's not something that existed on the Smart Folio. That's, by the way, something that I wanted so badly uh, that the Smart uh, Folio didn't have, and I'm so glad that it's here. So is that by default gonna drain your battery a little bit more? Well, yeah, definitely. And by the way, is that a trade-off that I'm very happy to make? Yes, absolutely, definitely. The second thing that's a big difference is it has a trackpad. The Smart Folio never had a trackpad. So there's fundamental differences in this Magic Keyboard versus the Smart Folio. So you just gotta know, your expectations can't be the same going in. Now, if it's a huge deal to you and there's actually not a huge problem with the with your, with your Magic Keyboard, you can do some things to kind of tone it down, that battery drain that comes from these extra features, like mess with your screen brightness and stuff. I don't do that, I don't wanna do that. I like my screen as bright as possible and Honestly, I'm at my desk most of the time. The reason I got the configuration that I got, the 12.9 inch uh, with the smart keyboard is because I'm parked at my desk most of the time that I'm using it, right now anyways. And so that's why I have, I get this question all the time, what size iPad Pro should I get? And I always say, if you're more mobile, like if you're a student, if you have a lot of meetings to go to as a business person, and when this pandemic lifts, if you're gonna be at the coffee shop a lot, if you're, if you're gonna be taking it places, then go with the smaller one is always my advice. Uh, and then if you're gonna be parked at your desk more, like I am, but you still need some mobility, uh, just less, then get the bigger one. Because for me, I wanna use Sidecar with this screen, with this big, beautiful screen, and it's great for that. And also, if I'm gonna write something, I can pop it off the Magic Keyboard, stick it on the desk, and I have more screen real estate to write with. And I like that, I, I appreciate it, it's better for the Apple Pencil for me, so that's why I got this configuration. But since it's parked at my desk all the time, I am using that built-in USB-C charger in, in the Magic Keyboard to charge it, which looks great from the back. You know, straight on, if I'm looking at it, I love that this is the way that I can charge now because that's, that cord disappears out the back of my desk, runs over the back, and I don't even notice that it's charging. So much better than having it just plugged into that one port on the side of the iPad and sticking out. So for me, uh, you know, this whole battery thing hasn't been an issue, but is it a thing? That's the question. Now, I'm a heavy user when it comes to the iPad Pro. I use it all the time. Now, sometimes I'll get that battery down into like the 12% range or definitely into the 20s. If I'm really using it, I'm not charging it, I'm taking it all over, I'll get it down in the 20s for sure. And some days it's like into the teens or about to quit, you know, because I use it that much. But I'm a heavy user though. So I can say uh, very confidently that I haven't experienced any extra battery draining issues. But that's not to say that some people haven't because it does sound like some people definitely have. So right off the bat, just judging by the comments that are out there, there's no official statement you know, from Apple or anything saying, hey, uh, the Magic Keyboard is defective or anything. No, so right off the bat, I think we can just say this is not a universal issue. It's not something that is absolutely going to affect your Magic Keyboard if you buy it. And honestly, I'm guessing that 
it's a smaller group of users. It's not like 50% of people, you know, like you don't have like a 50-50 chance of getting a defect on. I'm guessing it's a pretty small minority of users that have the battery drain issue, but yet enough that uh, people are talking about it, but it does look like some Magic Keyboards do have uh, an extra battery drain issue. So what does that look like? How would you know? So somebody named Andrew McCoy uh, tweeted, yesterday it drained about 24% over three to four hours with zero usage aside from the screen turning off for notifications. Okay, that is a bad battery drain issue. So if, if your iPad's losing 25%, a quarter of its battery, if you're not even touching it and all it's doing is showing notifications, then yes, that's a bad battery drain issue. Maybe you have a bad Magic Keyboard, and that's how you could tell. I certainly have not experienced anything like that. So I think it, it would be very noticeable you know, to you if you had a bad one. So what are we looking at? Like what could cause that? It's either one of two things. Either there is some hardware issue in some Magic Keyboards, or it's gotta be some kind of a software bug maybe in iPad OS. Those are basically the, the culprits that could be responsible for this. So I guess to wrap it up, is it an issue? Yes. Is it a huge issue? I don't think so. It's definitely not universal. But if it happens to you, you'll probably know for sure. But then what should you do about it? Well, if you're within 14 days of the initial purchase, just return it. It's no big deal. If it's been outside of that window, then it just falls under Apple's standard warranty. Still shouldn't be an issue. And then, of course, you could get Apple Care Plus and, you know, whatever. But basically, it's going to be taken care of. And then is it going to be, you know, should you be worried if you replace it that it's going to happen again? I really doubt it. I really doubt it. But I don't think it's like a huge knock against this keyboard. I'll just say again, this is the best typing experience on an iPad ever, period. External keyboards, keyboard cases, I've tried a lot. And this is by far the best. In fact, I am using this in my desk setup right now, at least for the next week or so, uh, to type on my Mac using Sidecar. This is my keyboard right now for both my iPad and my Mac. So it's great. The flaws, if there's any flaws, is that we're missing an escape key and that we don't have the function keys at the top. But I have learned to work around all that stuff and I'm still using it because I love the keyboard. I love the typing experience. All right, let's move on to the iPhone. Let's talk a little bit about this rumor that Apple's planning on, on releasing a portless iPhone as soon as with the iPhone 12. Hmm, a portless iPhone. That's kind of a dream in a way. You know, not have to plug it in, just rely on wireless to charge. It seems very cool. And then it can affect all kinds of things like waterproofability and you know, there's implications. But there's also potentially some issues and some problems with that. So we can talk a little bit right now about whether that's feasible in the immediate future and also whether that's good, whether we want that, whether it's something that should happen. Let's talk about both. First of all, from a, just a design perspective, I think a portless iPhone sounds really cool. It sounds futuristic. It sounds like something uh, that I want, kind of, just like from a base level. But then you get to thinking about it a little bit more and you're like, well, wait a minute. Uh, before we do that, what about USB-C? Maybe we want USB-C. So here's the thing. There's one main reason why I wouldn't want a portless phone. It has nothing to do with charging, but we're gonna talk about charging in a second. The main reason is just for accessories. Now, as a content creator, as somebody who's using an iPhone actively to shoot professionally, 
you know, like I make money off of content shot, you know, with the iPhone, not exclusively, but it's in the mix, you know, to get the most out of my iPhone, sometimes I need to plug stuff in. There's no headphone jack. And so if I want to plug in like a mic, for instance, to get better audio out of a, a, an iPhone video setup, then I use an adapter and I plug that in and something like the Rode video mic, uh, the mini one, whatever it is and get good sound, better sound, more professional sound, how would I do that if there was no port? Some kind of smart connectory, hey, 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 maybe that's the answer. Some kind of smart connector-like port that's like magnetic or something. I guess that could be a workaround. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, that'd be pretty cool. So maybe, maybe this is way better than I was even thinking. But that's something that would need to be addressed, and I'm sure that Apple is thinking about that, because you have all these MFI products uh, and just other accessories that you know, they're part of the Apple ecosystem. It's part of what makes using an iPhone for certain things special and different. There are just more and better accessories for iPhones than there are for any other Android device, in my opinion. And I don't want that to be in jeopardy or to go away as an advantage to me, as not just a, a user, a consumer, but as like someone who uses it professionally. Now, when it comes to the wireless charging aspect, so if you don't have a port, you gotta go wireless, and iPhones don't charge wirelessly all that fast. So I do have a OnePlus 8 Pro sitting here that OnePlus was nice enough to send, and I have that video partially shot, I just haven't got it out yet. But that thing charges fast, wirelessly. It, you gotta get a separate wireless charger um, that they sell, I don't know, what is it, like 60 bucks? Uh, which I would gladly pay if Apple had something you know, that would let me charge really fast wirelessly, oh yeah, I would pay for that in an instant. Because wireless charging for me is very convenient. A lot of people are like, why do you, there's a whole thing, a whole debate going on, like wireless versus wired, and you want fast charging, we'll plug it in. But wireless fast charging, that is the dream, and that's what I want on iPhones, absolutely. You know, so I don't want the slow charging, so if Apple's able to do that and bring wireless fast charging that's actually really speedy, then cool, proceed on that you know front. But there's even another aspect, and that has to do with recovery. So let's say something catastrophic happens to your iPhone, and you gotta take it uh, into the Apple Store, if you ever can again, but you know some of the Apple Stores are starting to open. Or you have to send it back, and one of the ways that tech, the technicians will actually recover your phone from some huge catastrophe is through the lightning port. That's just something, it's one of the ways. I'm not gonna go into all the details, but you need that lightning port to do that. Now. There's been some talk of Apple having some kind of remote recovery feature that could come in a future update, whereas you wouldn't need that lightning uh, port for that catastrophic recovery. So in a way, it sounds like all the pieces could be kind of falling into place, and I guess actually I'm feeling like they really could now that we've discussed it more. <laughs> but I don't know, a couple things. Maybe don't hold your breath about it. You know, I wouldn't uh, just get too excited about it if it sounds cool to you, because it's like maybe or maybe not. And especially for this next year. But the other thing to consider is Apple, it's rumored they're only considering putting it in one of the phone models. And I would assume that would be the highest end, you know, on the Pro only. So we'll see, but that's kind of a breakdown of why or why not you may or may not want that to happen, a portless phone. I wanna talk a little bit about Eero's mesh routers because those are now available for purchase from Apple's store, the Apple website. And the reason this is interesting to me, well, there's a couple reasons. Behind the scenes, you know, Apple and Amazon have kind of been feuding for a while. For a long time, Amazon wasn't even selling a lot of Apple's products, and that was kind of annoying. But now they seem to be playing a little bit nicer together, and so it's kind of a big deal in a way that 
Apple is now allowing these to be sold in the stores. I have the Eero routers, and they've been my my routers, my mesh network, uh, for I don't know, at least a year, maybe a, a little, maybe closer to a year and a half. But I've been using them day in and day out, and I have some thoughts about it. A couple things. I liked Eero before Amazon bought Eero, and I liked Eero a lot less after Amazon bought because I don't need any more intrusive scans, you know, to better target advertising for me and stuff. So that bummed me out. On the other hand, I was glad that HomeKit support came to Eero, that they're going to integrate with HomeKit. That was announced back in February. And so to be able to integrate Eero into HomeKit, um, I, I can't remember. Does it is it part of the more secure, you know, part of HomeKit? That I don't remember. But it's at least more convenient for an Apple user. That's cool. But here, here's a quote um, from Eero's blog post. It says, this is an exciting step towards delivering our vision to bring Eero to more customers and homes around the world, providing them with a safe and reliable network for their smart home. Uh, one of the things that I liked, aside from the mesh aspect, and aside from the design, I like the Eero router's designs. They're just simple, nice little, almost Apple-like, really, in the design boxes, you know, and they plug in and they actually have lights on the bottom, which is kind of nice. If you've got one in a hall or something, it kind of acts like a night light at night. That's nice. So they're nice. The design, it looks good. They're not bulky. And in fact, who was it? I think TP-Link reached, reached out uh, this week and they're like, hey, you want to check out our mesh network? And I looked at it and didn't really have anything to distinguish it from the Eero network that I already have running. So no, I, I wasn't interested in it. Now, if it was like Wi-Fi 6 and super fast or something, then yeah, maybe. <laughs> and that, honestly, that may be the direction that I head sometime soon. But I want to talk about, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me go back. So that safe aspect. So Eero does have some built-in you know, scanning stuff that, that can help protect your network and your internet of things, which is important in this time right now. You know, Nothing really ever feels super secure anymore. But but I liked that extra aspect because before I had this thing called a Cujo, which I had to plug in separately to my router that would hopefully secure my network. And that had a feed to it as well. So to, to be able to integrate that security into your system, that's good. So it's really nice. That is all very nice, the stuff I've talked about. But I wanna talk about that reliability issue. Over this last year, I've realized I, I wanted something that just would plug in and just work all the time. And I would say probably 90% of the time, my Eero network is really reliable. It may even be higher than that. But there are several times a month when I have to go unplug my Eero and you know modem and router, all of it, and let it sit for five seconds, plug it back in, and it fixes things. And because my connection slows or stalls, and it's ridiculous. You know, you can't be just anyways a consumer, like, you know, watching Netflix or whatever and have slow internet, but to be a, a person who's uploading video and needing to consume video and stuff and share video, it's just not doable. And so uh, that's one of my big gripes about the Eero is that I've had to do that several times. I'm, I'm talking at least, and it depends, but I'm saying, I'm going to say three or four times a month on average over the last year, I've had to go down, unplug it, reset it to get things working again. And that's a pain. So I guess take it with a grain of salt. You know, is is the Eero great? And now you can buy it at Apple. Are you thinking about getting it? Well, it is cool for a lot of reasons, but I can't say it's been the most reliable thing I've ever had. Whatever I was using before, and I can't even remember what it was, that was a little more reliable. I didn't have to go down and reset it all the time. It also wasn't a mesh network. This is my first mesh network that I've used. And the benefits are huge there. 
So I've got one uh, base, one of the stations in the basement, and I've got one uh, on all floors of the house. And that has been necessary because in order to penetrate around, you know, through concrete and in walls and stuff, the mesh network is a dream come true. But what good is it if it's not super reliable all the time? I mean, it's it's usable, I can do it, but I just thought I would add in my two cents there. Like, it, it has been a bit of a pain. Now, interestingly, I think that this says something else about Apple by them listing Eero in the Apple Store. It's probably a good indicator that Apple's done with routers, that they're getting out of that space, which honestly, I'm, I'm kind of sad about. Apple's pushing into all kinds of stuff, car stuff, they're pushing into AR glasses, and that's something we could have touched on this week, but I'm not going to. Uh, I feel like we've talked about it a lot, and there's not a whole lot of new information other than they're gonna look sleek. Apple's pushing into all these areas, services, but this is not something that they're really getting back into, I don't think, and by listing Eero, they're kind of saying, yeah, we're not getting into routers and smart home stuff, really, which is one area I really wish Apple would delve into and push into for security reasons, for you know, their focus on privacy and their looks. I don't want a bunch of devices sitting around that are ugly. And the Eero's a good example of something that's fine, it's passable, it's good. But would I rather have an Apple mesh router? Yeah, I think I would. Would I rather have Apple smart locks on the doors? Yeah, I think I would. An Apple security system? Yeah, I would much rather have that. But if you'll remember, Apple, when, when was it? 1999, I think, when they got into the airport line. That was their router. It was cool. It was a nice, tall little box and worked really well. I liked it, but they got rid of that division uh, back in 2016 and officially discontinued that product, I think in 2018. And at the time they said they might re-enter the market in the future, but I think what this is telling us is that doesn't look too likely now that they're listing the Eero for sale on Apple's site. All right, so we're not going to talk about Apple Glasses today, but let's do talk a little bit about the -the over-the-ear headphones uh, that could be coming out. So the rumor is that these over-the-ear headphones, which basically there's been so much talk about it, we know that they're coming, okay? That those could be entering production by the middle of summer with a public release by fall. So in other words, pretty soon. So some things that we've heard are that they're going to be sticking with the AirPods name for these over-the-ear headphones. And that's a little bit weird to me because when I think of AirPods, I don't think of headphones that go over the ears. I think of the AirPods that are buds that stick in your ear. That's an AirPod to me. Those are AirPods. So it's a little weird to think of them keeping that name, honestly, for me. But I guess I can retrain my brain to think about it a little bit differently. And it makes sense. It does make sense to keep them, all the audio products, the same. And do you remember a while back, a couple episodes back, we were talking about is and should Apple going to get rid of the Beats brand, you know? and just kind of take over all that or not, and I don't know. But it's interesting that they're keeping some of the naming conventions. So the name, supposedly, of these over-the-ear headphones are gonna be AirPods Studio. Now that's interesting because, obviously, that's a naming convention that comes over from the Beats side of things. So, like Beats Studios, Studio Pro, those are things, Solo Pro. Um, But Studio, that's definitely nomenclature that comes over from the Beats side of things. So what does that say about the future of Apple and Beats? I don't know. But AirPods Studio, that's apparently the name that we're looking at. And the price that we're looking at is probably going to be $349 is what it sounds like. Now, that's pretty reasonable. You look at uh, the other headphones out there that I would consider really good competitors, aside from Beats, since this Apple and Beats the same thing. Um, You're looking at Bose, the QC lineup, or whatever the newer version is. 
I had the QC2s, really loved them, comfortable. And then you look at something like the Microsoft, what are they? What are the Microsoft ones called? Studio something, right? Or it's not Surface, is it? I don't know. Microsoft's have some really good ones, which I would love to try. I just haven't. I don't really have any Microsoft contacts. Someday when we're bigger, I'm sure they'll reach out. That's, that's what happens, honestly. On YouTube, just in case you're wondering, it's like a chicken and egg problem. Uh, companies don't reach out to you, typically, until you've covered something of theirs. Uh, but then, like, when you're a small small YouTuber getting into the tech space, and this probably is for other products, too, the only things that get offered to you are things that you wouldn't really want to cover. But then when you scrape together the money to buy something, let's say, like, a really expensive monitor, oh, well, all of a sudden, when the PR person's going around being like, okay, who should we reach out to about this? Uh, then they search for people who have already covered it, and then they reach out, and they're like, hey, we'll send you this monitor that's just like the one you just got, you know? <laughs> but that's how it kind of works. But I don't have any Microsoft contacts. Uh, and it's been a long time since I covered anything Microsoft related. You know, we, we talked about some HP stuff on the channel uh, and a long time ago. Actually, the channel was kind of well known for some of the Xbox content that we put out there. One of our highest viewed videos, if not the highest viewed, has to do with the Xbox. So, but anyways, I'm sure they'll come calling someday when we're bigger. But 349, that's pretty in line with what you're seeing from, you know, the competitors. Now, do I drool about the possibility of airpods studios yeah that sounds really amazing to me i'm picturing something sleek and white although i could see them maybe coming in different colors as well i would you know a black wouldn't be hard to imagine and what they're saying is it could be made of something that's both leather and then something breathable you know light light leather breathable those are the key words that we have for this and you know i'm not gonna lie that's something that i would like to have right now uh there's two things that i use most of the time either the airpod pros or the Beats, I think, Solo Pros, yes. And I switch off between those. They're very similar in functionality, you know, active noise canceling and whatever, but you get more noise isolation you just do with over the ears. And while the AirPods are super, super convenient, I'm not just gonna be able to say AirPods anymore because they're gonna have over the ear ones. See, that's the problem with this. But the AirPod Pros, they're the most convenient, and so I do end up using them all the time. But sometimes when things are a little bit loud and I just need that extra noise isolation on top of the cancellation, I do throw on uh, the Beats, the Solo Pros, just for that noise cancellation and isolation combination. And to be very honest, if it's crazy loud, I, I get to the point where sometimes, if I'm in the right mood, or the wrong mood, I guess, like just little sounds will get on my nerves, and I need like absolute quiet to concentrate on what I'm doing. And there have been times, like I've said before, where I popped in the AirPod Pros and put on the Beats, at the same time, uh, just and drown out everything. And that's uh, kind of fun too, although it's not the super most comfortable thing in the world, but I've done it and I'll do it again. So yeah, I, I, it's something that I, I make use of both the earbuds, wireless earbuds and wireless headphones. And so, yeah, I think I would probably rather at the end of the day have the whatever these are gonna be over like, the Beats. The Beats are pretty comfy, they're pretty comfy, but I do get some ear fatigue if I wear them for like in the three to four hour range, maybe even two and a half onward. And so if these are more comfortable, which I, for some reason I just assume that they will be, I don't know why, then I would rather have them. And aesthetically, I'm sure they're gonna be great. I think the Microsoft uh, over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones that I just mentioned, I don't remember the name, but those have a pretty interesting design. The Bose have an okay design, so I would like to see something that pushes the limits in terms of design from Apple. I'd like to see Apple's take on these. So I'm pretty excited about it. 
I should just note too, while we're talking about it, that the Apple's also working on the third gen AirPods. So just kind of like the base level AirPods. And those are supposed to enter mass production, it sounds like, in early 2021. So that's coming up. If you're looking to upgrade, something to keep in mind. And then the next generation of AirPod Pros, those are already in uh, the planning phase. Those are going to go into mass production in late 2021 or early 2022. So it's going to be a while. We're going to have these AirPod Pros for a while, it sounds like. In terms of the features, though, I would just expect something super similar to what you see on AirPod Pros. Just over the ear. Probably that same H1 chip. Too. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, I do regret missing last week because I had a bunch of stuff saved to talk about. I just didn't get to it. But but rest assured, even during the move, going to try to keep the podcast going. Um, so do check for it on Fridays and we can hang out a little bit. Thanks for hanging out, by the way. If you got to the end of this podcast, let me know somehow. Say, Chris, I listened to episode 24 all the way through on Twitter, on Instagram. Shoot me a DM shoot me an email. You can use our contact form on our website, which is massively outdated and we need to <laughs> update that. But but yeah, let me know. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode or video. Later. Welcome to the other party out of Where you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gonna shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of Where you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gonna shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Since all 12 are giving you the heat The reviews from Chris you gotta see Daily Tech got the facts that you need And it's the whole crew you gotta meet After party it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality you should take it from me Cause we care about the customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the models Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it Welcome to the other party, out of When you know we getting lit and come alive and you know we got a light so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Welcome to the other party, got that vibe Well, you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah